for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Lucky day, Mr. Sumner. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. (laughs) Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Uh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. Stay tuned, because it's on now. The Tom Sumner Program. COVID-19 is the biggest health crisis in our lifetime. We're working around the clock with doctors and hospitals to stop it, but we need your help. Even if you don't feel sick, you could be carrying it. And just one person with the virus can infect another 40, who then infect thousands more. So I've issued an executive order requiring everyone to stay home to help limit the spread of the virus. Let's protect the people we love. Stay home and stay safe. Hi, this is Gretchen Whitmer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Ladies and gentlemen, in Philip Rapp's creation, The Bickersons. For once, the walls of the Bickersons' apartment do not resound with the persistent snoring of husband John, more's the pity. There can be only one reason for this astounding phenomenon. John Bickerson is not home. Two o'clock in the morning finds Mrs. Bickerson on the telephone with Sister Clara. Let's listen. What did you say, Blanche? I said I haven't heard from John since he left for work. You'd think he'd telephone me or something. Well, maybe he tried to call. You've had the phone tied up for over an hour, Blanche. You've called me three times. He's never done this before. I think he wants to upset me. He gets so angry every time I spend a dollar. He says I'm the biggest spendthrift in California. Am I, Clara? I don't think so. Well, John does. And you know how careful I am about money. Yes, well, I have to give the baby his bottle. You do? What time is it there in New York? It's almost 5.30 in the morning. Georgie gets a bottle every two hours now. He's four weeks old. He isn't gaining much, though. Well, what does he weigh? 61 pounds. I don't like the doctor we have now. He thinks George is too heavy. Well, I think he's the cutest little thing I ever saw. Oh, did John's shoes fit him all right? Well, they pinch a little in the toes. Oh, well, you can get them fixed. Oh, I think John's here. Goodbye, Clara. John! I can't find the blasted light switch. Oh, I'm so glad you're home, sweetheart. I'm in here. Huh? Never mind the lights. Come to bed, darling. Well, I must have the wrong apartment. Uh, Excuse me, madam. John, come back here. Oh, hello. Where have you been? Working. Let me get undressed. I'm exhausted. Why didn't you call? Don't throw your good coat on the floor, John. You can sweep it up in the morning. No call. No message? No nothing? Why didn't you call? Didn't have a nickel. You did, too. You had a quarter in your pocket this morning. Who did you take to dinner tonight? 
The whole chorus from Earl Carroll's That's Me Boy, Diamond Jim Bickerson. Don't be so funny. Oh, I'm not funny. I'm exhausted. I bet you never even thought of calling me. Other men call their wives. If Mel Shaw leaves the house for even five minutes, he calls Louise. Calls her what? That lot you care about me. I've been sitting here worrying myself into a stew. What did you eat? Stew. John Bickerson, let me look at you. Are you sure you've been at the office till now? Well, where do you think I've been? I don't know. You didn't pass a cocktail bar on your way home, did you? I never pass a cocktail bar. That's what I thought. You had a drink. I did not. You had more than one. I didn't have any. Then why are you trying to take your pants off over your head? What pants? This is the sweater you made for me out of your old slacks. I'm the only man in town with a V-neck seat. Stop complaining. It keeps you warm. Put out the lights, Blanche. I can't hold my eyes open. John, you're not going to sleep in that horrible old sheepskin vest. Well, I'm cold. Take it off. It looks hideous. Nobody sees it. Now you just get up and put on some pajamas. I hate pajamas. They strangle me. Well, you can't wear that thing. Can too. What if there's a fire? I won't go. Good night, Blanche. You just get out of that bed and hang up your clothes. Don't leave them for me. Blanche, I'm sleepy. I'm always crawling under the dresser and picking up your collar buttons. I pick up your ties and I pick up your handkerchiefs. What do you think I am, a vacuum cleaner? No, Blanche, a vacuum cleaner can be turned off. Look, Blanche, do me a favor, will ya? I worked 18 hours today. Just let me close my eyes for a couple of hours, will ya? I'm afraid. The minute you fall asleep, you'll start snoring. No, I won't snore. I never snore. How can you say that? You've never missed a single night since the second day we were married. You snore on Monday, you snore on Tuesday, on Wednesday you snore, on Thursday you snore, so what'll you do tonight? Oh, for the love of... Nobody would believe it. I'm married to a cellar pump. John, John, you promised you wouldn't snore. And the minute you close your eyes, you start it. John! Blanche, what do you want from me? I won't stand for it. Go sleep in the guest room. We haven't got a guest room. If you were a good husband, you'd see that we had two guest rooms. You used to have plenty of ambition before we were married. Whatever Mm. happened to your get-up-and-go? He got up and went. I might have known like you are. Selfish, inconsiderate, thoughtless. You didn't even send me a Valentine card. St. Valentine's Day isn't until tomorrow. It's still tonight. Tonight was yesterday. Today is tomorrow. What? And I know you didn't send a card because you didn't send me one last year. Well, I forgot last year. You always forget. You forgot my birthday. You, I bet you don't even know when you married me, do you? No, I don't. John Bickerson, you don't know when you married me? When? Oh, I thought you said why. I suppose you think you great catch. I could have married a half dozen of the wealthiest men in town. No, I had to fall for your smooth talk. You kept calling me your buried treasure, didn't you? Didn't I what? Didn't you always call me your buried treasure? Maybe I did. Well, what have you got to say now? I'm sorry I dug you up. Good night, Blanche. Sorry you dug me up. There wasn't another girl in our crowd who would ever have given you a second look. 
Oh, I don't know about that. Most of those dames thought I had what it takes. Well, maybe you had it. But who took it? And what did I get out of this marriage? Jewels? No. Clothes? No. Money? No. What did I get? No. I'll tell you what I got. A one-room apartment and a leaky icebox. A leaky icebox? Every night my pillow was wet from my tears. Put a pan under it. You're not listening to me. You don't care what happens. I wish I'd never been born. Oh, Blanche, what's the matter with you? Why don't you go to sleep? How can I sleep? How can I sleep when I know you don't love me? Who said I don't love you? Well, you never tell me you do. I tell you a thousand times a day. I offered to pay a man $50 for a six-inch tattoo that says, John loves Blanche. Why did you object? Because it would show when I wore my evening gown. Well, I was going to let him do it on me, too. Anything to put a stop to that same question night after night after night. If you'd only say it once of your own accord, I'd never ask you. Okay, I love you. Do you love me only? Yes. When I'm away from you? Yes. Well, say it. I love you only when you're away from me. Maybe that's why you stayed out, cavorting, until 2 o'clock this morning. I wasn't cavorting. I was working. What for? Because I get paid for overtime and we need the money. I have to make a payment on my car next week, $84. Where will you get that? Oh, I got it. It's in the desk drawer. No, it isn't. It is, too. I looked yesterday. You didn't look today. Oh, Blanche. Well, there's only $60 in that drawer, John. What happened to the other $24? Don't look at me. Listen, Blanche, there are only two people who have a key to that drawer, you and I, and $24 is missing. Well, let's each put back $12 and say no more about it. I knew it. I knew it. What did you blow it on? Well, I had to pay the phone bill. I made a few long-distance calls. Long-distance calls? Who did you call for $24? My sister, Clara. I was worried. She had a tooth pulled. How could you squander my money like that? I deny myself everything. Do I even buy toothpaste? No. I've been brushing my teeth with a whisk broom. I stick tinfoil in my cavities to save on dentist bills. I've been wearing an upper plate that belongs to my cousin. And she calls New York every five minutes. Don't make such a fuss. Claire is my only sister, and I have a perfect right to call her. Anyway, Barney's in the hospital. Who's Barney? Clara's husband, when he was out looking for a job, he tripped over a bar rail and two cases of bourbon fell on his head. Well, it's the first time the drinks were ever on him. How can you say that? Barney's not cheap. He takes good care of Clara. She has a lovely home, and they've got money for everything. Oh, sure, money for everything. Don't sneer. Last week, Clara had her tonsils taken out, and Venetian blinds put in. With a mouth like hers, they could do it. If that bum Barney isn't working, where do they get the dough? Accident insurance. He's collected a fortune on accident insurance. Every time Clara has a baby, he jumps off the roof. What? He doesn't hurt himself too bad, just enough to collect the insurance. You haven't got any, have you, John? No, I don't want to talk about it. I want to sleep. But suppose something happens to you. What if you have an accident and you can't work? We'll starve. We're starving now. That's too bad. It's easy for you to talk like that. If anything happened, I'd be left helpless and destitute. Why don't you get some accident insurance, John? I'll get some next week. You say it, but you won't do it. Why don't you get it now? What? Go on. 
Get up and get some accident insurance. Blanche, are you out of your mind? It's almost 3 o'clock in the morning. Well, people have accidents all hours of the night. I'm not going to have any accidents tonight. How do you know? Blanche, why don't you let me sleep? Well, just promise me you'll get some accident insurance. Why? Because it's a wonderful protection. Clara told me two weeks ago a man broke his hip and he got $5,000. Last week, Barney fractured his skull and got $10,000. Well, what about it? Next week, you may be the lucky one. Good night, Blanche. Good night, John. Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer. Might surprise you to be hearing from me, some smoke show Midwestern governor nobody heard about till a couple weeks ago. But governors are kind of having a moment right now. And while other govs get cool nicknames like Daddy Cuomo and Gavin Choke Me King Newsome, Trump refers to me as that woman from Michigan. But I'm not offended because I am proud to be from Michigan. And that woman is also what Trump calls his wife. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm. And yeah, yeah, I'm nursing all the bats. Because even though most frickin' governors are laying down restrictions because of the virus, mine are somehow too far. Now, you may have heard about the protesters that gathered in the streets of our capital for Ted Nugent cosplay last week. Look, people, it's live free or die, not live free and die. And Trump advisor Stephen Moore is comparing these protesters to Rosa Parks. Yeah, if Rosa Parks was fighting for her right to get hit by a bus. Sorry, that's a little bats talking. But I support all Americans and Michiganders' freedom of speech. So if you got to protest, here are some tips on how to do it safely. Number one, stay home. I promise you can call me a bitch from the safety of your couch. It's called Twitter. So if you must head outside, maintain proper social distancing. That means six feet apart at all times. So if the tip of your AK-47 can touch the tip of your buddy's AK, back up. And please, wear face masks, but not a joker mask. And not a clown mask and absolutely no masks that come with the hood. Now, like you, I have heard the rumors that I'm on the short list to be Joe Biden's vice president, the VP's Veep. Because if it's going to be a woman, it might as well be that woman. But my sole priority is my home state, because we're not out of the woods. We never will be. We live in Michigan. And to anyone that stands in the way of the health and safety of my constituents, I'll remind you, the Michigan is a mitten, right? And this, this is where I live. Oh, dang it, they're throwing dog crap at my door. Knock it off! I'll throw it back! I did it last time, too! You know I will! Tom Sumner, Program.com The Tom Sumner, Program.com Everybody's doing a brand new dance now. Hi, this is Mark Farner, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program.
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Hi, I'm Dr. Jonay Caldoun. We know that COVID-19 is spreading rapidly across Michigan right now. The most important thing people can do to protect themselves is social distancing. That means unless you are a critical infrastructure worker or going out to get food or medicine for your home, you should be staying at home. Stay home, stay safe, save lives. Most of the music you hear on the Tom Sumner program is provided by local artists. Tune in Fridays at 11 for live music and conversation with some of the area's most talented singers, songwriters, and performers. Hi, this is Greg Nagy. Hey, this is Hoppa. Hi, this is Joe Bye from the Blue Lions. Hi, this is Alexander Zonjic. Hi, this is Mark Farner. This is Maurice Davis. Hi, this is Rochelle Ray. Hi there, folks. This is Sweet Willie T. This is Steve from the Nashville office. I'm Gwen Pennyman Hemphill. Tom Sumner Program, celebrating the rich talent pool from Flint, Genesee County, and throughout Michigan. The beans, the draft card burnings, and best of all, the music. Well, now Apple House has collected the finest of those songs on one album called Golden Protest, performed by the original artists who made them famous. You'll thrill to Society's Child by Janicean, Pleasant Valley Sunday by the Monkees, What Have They Done to the Rain by the Searchers, In the Ghetto by Elvis Presley, Silent Night, 7 O'Clock News by Simon and Garfunkel, and who can ever forget this all-time classic... Yes, it's Barry Maguire's immortal Eve of Destruction. And, of course, my own Masters of War, all for the incredibly low price of $3.95. And if you order now, you'll also receive a treasury of acid rock featuring vanilla fudge, blue chair, frigid pink, Moby Grape, the electric prunes, Jeff Snareplane, Lotharian hand people, to name but a few. Plus, as part of this special limited offer, you also get the best of the supergroups with Traffic, Cream, Blind Faith, Ginger Baker's Air Force, and many, many others. Yes, this is a collector's dream, cold in protest, plus two fabulous 60s albums, all for only $3.95. If you were to purchase these selections separately, they'd cost you hundreds of dollars, and many cannot be found anywhere at any price. Well... It's time for my boot heels to be wandering. But here's something will tell you how you can get this amazing record package. Here's how to order this amazing record package. Just send $3.95 and check your money order plus your name and address to Apple House Box 70K South Bend, Indiana. Once again, that's $3.95 and check your money to Apple House Box 70K. Do it today. TomSumnerProgram.com TomSumnerProgram.com 
This is Jill Stein, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. My guest this hour is uh, uh, the author of uh, a mystery series featuring Doc Brady. And when last we checked in with Doc Brady, he was uh, uh, caught up in an act of murder. And now uh, it has uh, moved on. There is a new book in the series out called Act of Revenge. The books are by uh, Dr. John Bishop, who joins me by phone. John, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks very much, Tom. Glad, glad, uh, nice to be had here. Heard. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, what, uh, what, what's up with Doc Brady now? He's uh, stumbled into yet another mystery. Yes, I don't know if we last time we visited. I had after Act of Murder came a book called Act of Deception, and I don't, I don't know if we uh, talked about that one or not. This is the third in the series called Act of Revenge, <clears throat> and in this one, he's got himself tied up with <clears throat> plastic surgeons and insurance companies and canceled malpractice cases. I, I guess we missed uh, Act of Deception, or maybe I just didn't see it on the uh, on the shelf there. But um, this is the third. Is 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 it a trilogy, or do you expect to continue uh, uh, pitting Doc Brady against uh, various acts? <laughs> well. Uh, actually, there are more novels that I uh, have written, so uh, I'm plan on I'm, I plan on keeping on keeping on. Um, I, I was going to mention in the introduction, and and I didn't, that you're an avid golfer and accomplished piano player, and uh, of course uh, you practiced orthopedic surgery in Houston for thirty years. Um, so was that a natural progression to writing mystery novels? <laughs> you know what? I, I don't. I don't really know. I don't think that. I, I don't think the golf was. I think playing music. I played in a lot of bands and different kinds of uh, music, <clears throat> blues and country and and whatever. And I think I met a whole different kind of people in that field. And then you go to the medical field and you meet a whole bunch of different kinds of people and patients in that field. I think a combination of the music and the doctoring sort of uh, was the impetus for me to start writing. I've met so many interesting characters and people, I I just started writing about them. Um, reminds me a little bit of Doc, Dr. Watson. Uh. <laughs> Dr. Watson, yeah, exactly. My dear Watson. Are you... Um have you been a fan of of mystery writers? Are there writers who have inspired you in your writing? Yes, I've I've always uh, really enjoyed the mystery uh, genre and especially the medical mystery genre, like Michael Crichton and Robin Cook and folks like that. And then, of course, Michael Conley and uh, Stuart Woods and uh, Daniel Silva and all those kinds of authors. Uh, I, I read I read voraciously when I'm not doing one of the other 14 things I'm supposed to be doing at one time. You know, right? Um, how did how did the Doc Brady series come about? What was that that moment when you said I'm I'm going to write a novel? Well, I think it, it had to do with I had a I had a good friend and partner in the medical business who lost a child, mm. and uh, I was the best friend, and they were basically collapsed beyond description. And so I 
had to go in and make the funeral arrangements and make all these arrangements. And I, I was around a, a period of time where the grief, it was palpable grief. And I, I, I started, I just, I, I, for some reason, I wanted to put that down on paper, how people felt with the severity of the loss of a child. And then just came the natural, natural sequitur that, well, I created this child that lived next door to me in the book who gets run over. And the grief then translates like what happened to me in real life. And so that, I think that was the impetus of how it started. And then how did uh, Doc Brady make his entry? Well, you know, I knew I wanted to write about medicine because I knew about medicine. And so I created this fictional guy. Uh, I'm not sure where the name came from exactly. Uh, it wasn't Tom Brady, I don't think, but it's possible. But uh, I, I don't know. I, it just uh, it just came out of thin air, and I just sat down one day and started writing and just made up the name and sort of just took it from there. It was, it's, it's kind of, I think, maybe the last time I visited with you, you asked me about outlines and this and that, and I said, well, I, I just kind of sit down at the typewriter at the computer and start ty- and start type sorry I'm updating myself with the typewriter uh, with a computer and start writing and just kind of see what avenue it takes me and uh, I think you said you, that's happened to you as well yeah I think um, it, it's I, I'm always curious about that John as to you know how people go through the the creative process if you can you know, just sit down with a blank screen or a blank piece of paper in the old typewriter and just start telling a story or if you really have to be organized ahead of time to, you know, make sure that you hit all the places you want to hit. Sure. Well, I think I think I, I tend to be I tend to have a big picture of uh of what I want to say about a certain issue, and then I just kind of backtrack from that. But there is a lot of sitting. That the nice thing about the computer versus the typewriter is there's a delete button. So you can you can if you if you write something that's just horrible and no good, you can delete it very quickly and start over with something else. So that the process is much faster than it, than it of course used to be. Um, <clears throat> But as far as uh, as far as the writing and, and the planning ahead, I I probably don't plan ahead as much as I should. But I, I try to start with a concept and then just build on that concept over time. Now, in in this book, Act of Revenge, um, it uh, <laughs> I'm I'm not sure how to delicately phrase this, John. Um, <laughs> It it sort of grows out of uh, leaking silicone breast implants. <laughs> yes, yes, um, that's right. With, exactly. What What do you think is is uh, maybe more of a draw for your readers in this particular story? The the breast implants or going after insurance companies? <laughs> Well, I think maybe both. Um, <laughs> you know, it's it's funny because that was back in the '90s. That was a huge issue in the in the United States was the leaking breast implants, and you had a group of women that got sick with all kinds of different diseases like rheumatoid arthritis and lupus erythematosus, <clears throat> and you had plastic surgeons on the one hand that were trying to take care of the patient, and then you had the insurance companies on the other side, then you had the plaintiffs' lawyers on the back side. And it was a uh, it was a battle, a constant battle all the time. And 
I, had, I knew I had a lot of patients that had been down that road and had issues. I had doctor friends who had, had their insurance canceled. I had doctor friends who had been sued multiple times for putting in the implants. And, you know, I, I just one day just started trying to put all that together into some kind of story. Uh, and I, I started it with running into the doctor, the plastic surgeon, whose insurance had been canceled uh, on a ski trip. It literally ran into him. Uh, going fly, flying down a mountain and it broke his leg and tore his knee up. So this is this was Doc Brady's beginning of the story. And then um, you said you said a moment ago, John, and, and this is kind of interesting that there are medical issues. Um, each book revolves around a medical issue, and and a mystery happens either as part of that medical issue or. Uh, uh, adjunct to it, um, as as in the case here in in the new book, uh, Act of Revenge, when um, uh, your uh, character uh, in the in the book, uh, Lou Edwards, um, threatens an insurance company president on TV, and then later that uh, insurance uh, agent is found dead, um, and then you know Doc. Brady to the rescue to figure it all out, but um, <laughs> is there a list of medical issues, or do these these come to you just all of a sudden you'll think about some medical issue or read something in the paper or hear something on television and go, you know, it'd be it'd be good to build a story around that. How does how does that work for you? Well, that, that, that's basically it. I'll, I'll, t- I'll give you an example. Uh, I've written several more books <clears throat> that are hopefully will come out in sequence. But one of them, I came out of the grocery store uh, one day in real life, and I was going to my car, and then it parked at the curb was this unbelievably old vintage Rolls Royce that was bright yellow. And I pondered that. I said, "Who? You know, that's a lot of money to spend for a car that's that color because it was a gaudy, <laughs> terrible color." <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> I mean, yellow Rolls Royce, really. And so I'm staring at this car, holding a sack, and this guy comes out of another store, and he heads to the car, and the, and the fellow has on yellow pants, yellow shirt, a brown corduroy jacket, and yellow and brown cowboy boots. And I thought that whole thing was such a character caricature. He, he, he went to the car. He, he saw me staring. He said, can I help you? I said, no, I was just, I'm just admiring the car. He said, uh, my grandfather bought it in the forties and gave it to me. And I've kept it all these years and I drive it once a week. And just today's the day I drive it. And so he, he drives off and I'm sitting there thinking, what, what if he got sick and had a heart attack and died right there on the spot? And I was there to resuscitate him. And that's how the whole story began. And, yeah, that's weird, I know. And and apparently he was colorblind. <laughs> <laughs> I think he thought he was wearing black or something. Yeah. That's all I can yeah. tell you. <laughs> Yellow is the new black. Yeah, uh. <laughs> exactly. But that's how that that's how that story. Uh, yeah, and, I, I, and so that, that that's the kind of things that happen. And so if if I get to a point like I'm not writing something at the moment. You know, I'll be out there looking for signs or anything weird that I might could add to Doctor Doctor Brady's uh, uh, repertoire. Now, you said you've got several 
books written. Um, how long does it take to write these? Are you just knocking these things out, John? Well, you know, it, it depends. I've been I've been writing them for a for a while, uh, and so uh, you know, I'll work on I'll work on a story for two or three months, and uh, you know, edit it and go back and forth and do it over and over again. But you know, I can probably if I if I'm creative and I feel like I know what I'm talking about, I can write two or three in a in a twelve month period. At least that thus far. And the the character Doc Brady is there some insight that that he has that makes him able to get to the bottom of these cases that that other people around him don't have, or is it just the fact that these things revolve around medical issues and he is in fact a doctor? Yes, I, I think that's it. He, they revolve around every everything revolves around a medical issue of some sort. And he's a doctor, and while he's an orthopedic doctor, not a medical doctor, he still has been to medical school, and he sees patients and treats patients that have medical problems. And so he's aware of what's going on. And for me, since it's something I know very much about, I spent my whole life doing that sort of thing. Um, you know, I, I could write authoritatively about it because I know I know I know the business on the inside out. So. That that that's why the doctor thing. I mean, I, I would I could never compete with a Michael Connelly or a, a Daniel Silva on a mystery novel. But you know, on medical mysteries, you know, I, I, at least I know something about the subject. And their medical mysteries are they? Do they always result in murder, or is is that just? Uh... Let's see. The first one did. The first one had a murder, which was the child act of murder, and yeah. then the second one was about lawsuits and medical malpractice suits but nobody died except um, I, I got i got mugged and so i got a concussion doc brady did in the second novel and in the third novel there is a murder of the insurance executive now was, i don't know if there's going to be a murder in every one of them but so far two out of three have a murder and and now was that a freudian slip when you said when you referred to yourself and then said doc brady got mugged yeah <laughs> I mean, it was kind of a, you know, it, it, you know, you kind of write about things you know. So I, I find you write about yourself to some degree uh, because you know yourself and and uh, it's a character you can describe. So you've you've built a, the character um, Doc Brady a little bit on your own personal uh, experiences and um, expertise and so on. Yes, I, I think so. Uh, I, I make up stuff like everybody else, but I think there's a, there's a, got to be a little thread of truth somewhere in there about yourself and certain certain aspects of the story. What are, what about the other characters in your books? Are they um, modeled after people you actually know or or have encountered? Well, probably are com- everybody's a composite. Like um, sure. my wife and the in the Doc Brady's wife is uh, Mary Louise. And she has a lot of similarities to my own wife, but she's also a composite of other people I've known. Uh, the son in there, JJ, is a uh, computer uh, engineer who has a company that uh, does uh, searches for people and, and that sort of thing. And so he's he's an expert in that field. And then we have a, a police officer named Susan B- uh, Susan Beeson who is a police officer in Houston who rises to become the police chief, and she's a good friend of the Brady's over a long period of time. And then there's some recurring other characters like pathologists or people doing autopsies and things like that that, that recur. But most, most, except for the core 
people, Brady, Mary Louise, JJ, and Susan Beeson, uh, there's kind of new people generated every book. And so far, John, it seems that uh, the books are set primarily in the 1990s. Yes, that's where I that's where I started them in the 1990s. And every book, it's a two or three years later. So after this third book, we're gonna we're gonna get into the early 2000s and then try to progress on to the current date. So I can use a smartphone in the book or something, you know, right? A rotary dial phone. <laughs> I, I would think you'd be you'd be tempted to do I don't know with this world that we're living in right now with the the COVID nineteen pandemic crisis uh, going on that you might be tempted to tackle something uh, something about that. Yeah, you know I've, I kept I get a uh, I get a daily letter from the Texas Medical Association about everything that's going on in medicine. Uh, it's, it's, it's on, it's an email thing you get. And of course the last, since March, it's been about COVID every day. I, you know, you could, I'm surprised there are not people out there writing volumes about COVID because there's so much, there's so much information out there. And, and I, I may well do that. I just, I, I don't know right now, the sequestration is up. It's just, it's painful to write about. It, everybody's lived it. <laughs> yeah, it, it it is tough, and and I guess it it comes under one of those. Maybe it's too soon, um, but uh, yeah. I I would think there there'd be something uh, something fun for Doc Brady in the um, in the race for a vaccine. Yeah, interesting. Just, you got me thinking. Just, here I was, on, here was I was taking a vacation. <laughs> just 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 a thought, John. Thought thought maybe uh, you know somebody. Uh, might rub out the competition or something. <laughs> well, that, wow, Tom, this is sounding better all the time, man. <laughs> Maybe we ought to collaborate on this one. How about that? <laughs> that'd be that'd be fun. Um, would Would you ever uh, Would you ever do that? Writing is usually kind of a solitary thing, John. Um, would Do you think you'd be able to work with uh, a co-author? I have no idea. Uh, you're right. It's 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 a solitary thing, and I. I, the nice thing about writing is if you can't sleep, you can get up in the middle of the night and write. Or if you, I, I write at all kinds of different times, but it's basically on my time when I feel that urge to put something down. I've never co-written with anybody, so I don't have any idea if I if I could do it. Um, and and the process of of um, writing, as we mentioned, is is kind of a solitary thing, but then. There's there's the business part of it. There's doing interviews like this and uh, book signings. Do you, do you enjoy those kinds of things? Obviously, they're on hold right now because of the COVID. But yeah. um, it, it, it is. Do you like interacting with people and getting feedback from people that have read your books? Oh sure. Uh, you know, I I was a uh, I was a doctor for a number of years, and I enjoyed the patients and enjoyed the practice, and so. I have uh, have found that most of the stuff I've done has been what I'm doing, like with you, or a podcast or an online conversation. Because the book selling, book signing thing, that's been pretty much out since March, right? Right. Yeah. So I've I've, I've done a, quite a few of these, and I enjoy the, I enjoy the conversation. And then I get good ideas from guys. You just gave me a great idea about the <laughs> pandemic and Doc Brady. And <laughs> 
and the virus and the competition the drug companies going to war with each other i can see it now man <laughs> practically <laughs> writes itself john <laughs> i mean really i better get off the phone so i can start writing <laughs> um well and that raises another question is this a good time for you for writing because of all the stay-at-home uh, uh, orders and so on oh excellent it, it really it really has been i mean except for golf getting out and going to play golf you know, there's just a lot of the social activities and parties and things we normally would do are just been shut down. And so uh, I think it's been a great time to write because it you know, gives you something to do and keeps your mind working. Have, have, have you been pretty productive this last six months? I have been. I have been. I've, I've got a couple of uh, books I've written in the last uh, six months just because I had a lot of time. So... Uh, one of them. One of them is about this guy with the yellow car. <laughs> you know, there's a there's a movie you might want to check out that's that's literally called the Yellow Rolls Royce. Oh, you're kidding! I never even heard of it. I I just I just happened to see it. Um, I I didn't even see it. I saw it listed in the TV guide uh, uh, on one of the cable channels just recently, and I I was tempted to watch it just because it sounded so hideous. <laughs> It, what is it? A movie or a show? It's a it's a film. It's okay. a movie, and it's called The Yellow Rolls Royce. You should you should take a oh, look at goodness. it. I'm I'm writing it down right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad we could get together. I'm just uh, coming up with all kinds of fun ideas. Yes, you are. If if we write about it, I ha- if I write about it, I have to give you credit now. Right. Well, at least, you know, a hat tip or something. Um, <laughs> yeah, that... Um, oh, that's fun. When you mentioned... Uh, yeah, when you mentioned that, and when you told that story about seeing a yellow Rolls Royce, that was the first thing popped into my head. I just, just saw something about a yellow Rolls Royce here recently. And, uh, see, now I'm going to want to go watch the movie. <laughs> uh, yes, that's right. So, the... Uh, the book, Act of Revenge, a Doc Brady Mystery, it's a novel by John Bishop, M.D., and it's, uh, it's out now, right? When, when did yes, this sir. drop officially? Uh, today. Oh, excellent, excellent. And um, is it available where all fine books are sold? Yes, uh, Amazon, the way they, they do their business, I'm not sure how that works or why they work, but they release the digital uh, version first, and then a day or two later, they release the the large paperback version yeah. second. And uh, if anybody has any questions about it, you can go under Amazon, or you can I have a website called johnbishopauthor.com, and it has all the information on there as well about about the books. Well, that's perfect. I was I was going to make sure that you uh, mentioned a way that people could drill down and find out a little bit more. John, it's been a real pleasure, as always, talking with you, and I hope uh, when your next book comes out that we'll uh, get together and visit again. Me too. You and I, we have a date for book four, right? That sounds good to me. Okay, Tom. Take care. Thanks so much. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. That was uh, Doc Bishop, the author of uh, The Doc Brady Mysteries, his newest book, Act of Revenge, um, is a Doc Brady mystery, a novel by John Bishop, M.D. We'll have more of the Tom Sumner program. 
TheTomSumnerProgram.com Hello there, citizens. Darkwing Duck here. And every time I'm in Flint fighting crime, I always stop by the Tom Sumner Program. Don't forget, stay dangerous. Darkwing Duck out. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call the X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. Do you have feelings of inadequacy? Do you suffer from shyness? Do you sometimes wish you were more assertive? If you answered yes to any of these questions, ask your doctor or pharmacist about tequila. Tequila is the safe, natural way to feel better and more confident about yourself and your actions. Tequila can help ease you out of your shyness and let you tell the world that you're ready and willing to do just about anything. You'll notice the benefits of tequila almost immediately. And with a regimen of regular doses, you can overcome any obstacles that prevent you from living the life you want to live. Shyness and awkwardness will be a thing of the past, and you'll discover many talents you never knew you had. Stop hiding and start living with tequila. Tequila may not be right for everyone. Women who are pregnant or nursing should not use tequila. However, women who wouldn't mind nursing or becoming pregnant are encouraged to try it. Side effects may include dizziness, nausea, vomiting, incarceration, erotic lustfulness, loss of motor control, loss of clothing, loss of money, loss of virginity, delusions of grandeur, table dancing, headache, dehydration, dry mouth, and a desire to sing karaoke and play all-night rounds of strip poker, truth or dare, and naked twister. Warning, the consumption of alcohol may make you think you're whispering when you're not. It's a major factor in dancing like a retard. may cause you to tell your friends over and over again that you're in love with them. Also may cause you to think you can sing. Alcohol may lead you to believe that ex-lovers are really dying for you to telephone them at 4 in the morning. Alcohol may make you think you can logically converse with members of the opposite sex without spitting. It may create the illusion that you are tougher, smarter, faster, and better looking than most people. And it may lead you to think people are laughing with you. Alcohol may cause pregnancy, and it also may be a major factor in getting your ass kicked. So what are you waiting for? Stop hiding and start living with tequila. Tequila! Those hands, no matter whose they are, can spread the germs of many common diseases. That's why I want you to realize how important it is to keep hands clean, to wash them regularly and always before meals with Life Boy which not only removes dirt, but helps to remove germs. Teach the children this habit. Form it yourself. Always use Life Boy for hands and face as well as the bath. America, your children have an amazing superpower. That's right. They can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing! Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. The interest of goodwill. The Hoffman Beverage Company feels compelled to make this announcement. It's simply this. All Hoffman flavors have that happy taste, except sarsaparilla. We might as well come right out with it. We haven't quite hit that happy, carefree note in sarsaparilla. Now, please don't misunderstand us. Our Hoffman sarsaparilla is absolutely dependable. It's trustworthy. It's loyal. And many fine, upstanding citizens love it. But it just isn't what we call happy. 
You take our Hoffman orange. It's absolutely rollicking. Our lemon is almost giggly. Our black cherry and black raspberry are so bubbling with happiness, they dance in the glass. They all have natural flavor and famous Hoffman study sparkle. We're sorry about Hoffman sarsaparilla. Why isn't it happy? Well, let me ask you. Could you be happy if your name was... This is U.S. Senator Gary Peters, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. Now, I'll tell you this this story. This is a game that we played when when we were kids, and it's called... Buck Buck. We played it in Philadelphia. Buck Buck. Now, you people out here in the West Coast probably know nothing about it. Uh, in New York, it's called Johnny on the Pony and other things. It's where five, uh, five kids line up, you see, and they bend over. They're in a straight line. They bend over, and one kid grabs a fence or a wall or a pole, holds on to that. The next kid puts his right arm around his waist, you see, bends over, tucks his head under, and you got five guys lined up exactly like that. <laughs> So they all look like a long horse. Now, the object of the game is that one at a time, one by one, kids come running up and they say, Buck, buck, number one, come in. They run up, leap in the air, and they land on the horse. And they keep going, bam, 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 until they collapse the horse, you see. Now, that's the object of the game. Then you count how many kids you held and you, you go back and forth, you see. Now, we had the champion buck, buck team of the world. When I tell you we played Buck Buck, there was nobody that whipped us anywhere, man. And you can tell kids that play a lot of Buck Buck because they're built like this, you see. And their legs are only four inches long. That's all they have because they've been crushed so much. So we're around there practicing Buck Buck number five. Land on each other. Some kids come down from the rough part of town. And they're really tough, man. They got toothpicks on the side of their mouth. And a hat on sideways, and he got the pants on backwards, you know, just rebelling against everything, you know. And he said, Listen, we're here, you're supposed to be so tough, we challenge you to the Buck Buck Championship of the World. So he said, All right. So I line up, turkeys. So we line up, five of us. Whack. They start sending kids down. Buck Buck number one, come in. Feel pretty heavy, man. We check them out. Guys have rocks in their pockets to make them way heavier, you know. And buck buck number two. Now they get up to 300 and it's really heavy. Buck buck 300, come in. Now they're on top of us, piled all the way up to the sky and they're rocking back and forth. Hold on, Harold. I can't do it no more, guys. Come on, hold on. Buck buck 400, come in. We collapse. All right, how many did you hold? We held 400 of your guys. Well, that was pretty good. But we usually hold around 600. Ah, ah, ah. All right, we line up. They line up. Send the first kid down, old weird Harold. All right, Harold. Buck, buck number one, come in. These guys are really cool. What was that? A mosquito? <laughs> you guys don't have no weight. Come on, let's go. Buck, buck number two, come in. I landed. A piece of paper. Somebody threw a piece of paper on top of me. Buck, buck number three. That was nothing. Four. Five. We got the championship. All right, bring out your last man, you turkeys. Come on, bring him out. Come on out. Fat Albert. Fat Albert was the baddest buck buck breaker in the world. And he loved to hear us call his name. 
Fat Albert weighed 2,000 pounds. And he kicked the door to his house open. And you could hear him say, hey, hey. We built a little ramp for him to walk down so he could build up speed because he couldn't hardly run fast. And he was coming, hey, hey. And the ground's trembling. Trees falling over. Buildings losing pieces of brick. Parents taking kids off the street. And these guys are the What's the ground doing? Shake it, man. How come the ground shaking? So that's Fat Albert coming for you. Hey! And he turned the corner. They saw one leg. What is that? So that's Fat Albert. Hey! And they stood up. We give. He ain't falling on us. Now, I told you that story to tell you this one. Now. Guys, guys in my neighborhood went to great lengths to scare anybody. Because it's a great thing when you scare somebody. They lose their cool completely. That's the only time when a human being is really himself. I mean, because if you scare somebody good, they just, the legs shoot out, the hair stands up, the eyes bug out, and they say, blah, blah. Yeah. See? And then you laugh. Ah, 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 that was really funny, man. You got so scared. Ah. So, guys found this statue. Stole it, really. A statue of Frankenstein, five feet, eight inches tall, in color of the monster. Frankenstein monster. Ooh. They take it home. There's only three of them. Take it home. They take it into an apartment building. Put it up on the third floor landing, you see. Now they take out all the lights in the hallway. Put in a pink one right by the monster statue. One kid gets behind it. They send another one out in the street. He calls a kid. They come running up. He passes the kid with the statue, taps him. Kid with the statue leans it. Kid that doesn't know anything about it turns around and kills himself running out of the building. You see, this is called fun. Because then you laugh at the guy. Boy, you were really scared, Red. You fell 12 flights of stairs. That was really funny. So, I'm coming home from the store about 8.30. No, I always have my music with me. I always have to hum my music because monsters cannot attack you if you have your music with you. Hey, cops! What? Come on over, man. You should see it. Herman's getting a beating. Let's go watch it. Herman? Yeah, I love to see Herman getting a beating. And I jump, man, I brrr, and I'm chasing after this guy. I can't wait, man, to see Herman getting a beating because I don't like Herman anyway. Blah, 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 blah. And he goes up the second flight and says, wait for me, man, wait for me. Don't go so fast. Blah, 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 blah. And he makes that turn around the third, and I make the turn, the guy takes a step. I never touched one step. Ran two miles before I realized what had happened. When I turned around, they were right behind me laughing. Man, God rolling, kicking the feet up in the air on the back. You was really funny, boy. You were really cool, man. You just lost everything as well. Your hair was standing up and everything. It was... That ain't funny, man. You can kill somebody like that. 
Suppose somebody wouldn't look at that statue and their heart just stopped pumping right away. Or the guy would have just fallen down some stairs and hurt himself. I didn't put it. Yeah, but God, you just see yourself. It was really funny, man. You just went, true. Didn't even touch one step, man. It's really cool, I'm telling you. <laughs> Listen, guys, now you got to get somebody. Yeah, that's right. Get up in the hallway. Get the statues up. Come on, we're going to get somebody. I'm going to scare somebody now, boy. It ain't going to just be me, I tell you that. I get somebody killed around here. It'll really be funny because when they leave that statue on the hall, that'll be it for them. And I'm waiting outside. Is the thing up? Yeah, okay. Here we go. And wait, somebody's got to come sooner or later. I'm going to get somebody. And I hear off in the distance. Hey! Fat Albert. Hey! I said, hey, Fat Albert, come here, man. You should see Herman. He's getting a beating. I like to see Herman get a beating. Now, Fat Albert is not too fat, see? So I run up and I grab my arm. Come on, Albert, hurry up. And I start hitting him behind the back. Hurry up, man. Did you see it before it's over? Hey, we go up the second flight. I start laughing because I know what it is. And turn around. Come on, Albert. We get up to the third flight and the guy's there. Oh. I forgot I was behind him. <laughs> they, uh, they took me to the hospital and they put me in a bed beside a wino over by two kids. And we both agreed that uh, frightened children are really uh, hard to get along with. I never had a guy dance on me so long. Uh, and he was so scared he couldn't even get a hey. He was and just dancing right on me forever. This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program. Is it?
Zanjic, don't touch that dial. You're listening to Tom Sumner.